EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University. Welcome to the EU Futures Podcast, exploring the emerging future in Europe. I'm Oya Jordanian, an outreach coordinator at BU Center for the Study of Europe. Today is September 26th, and my colleague Toria Reni and I talk to Italian philosopher Franco Berardi. Franco Berardi teaches at the Academy of Fine Arts in Milan and writes about arts, media, and social movements. My name is Franco Berardi. My friends call me Bifo. Uh, I don't know exactly why. And um, I have been teaching at the Academy of Fine Arts of Milano for many years. Uh, I write. Generally, I write about uh, uh, art, media, and social movements. So I come to the um, European uh, problematics from the history of the movement. I, I mean, um, I am not a politician. It's not exactly my, uh, my frame. Um, I'm, I, I prefer to think about me as an activist at this level. And as an activist, um, I uh, have been involved in, uh, in, in, during the last 15 years in the European movement. Europe is a movement, first of all, is, is something that comes from, from, uh, from society. And this is why now I, I am worrying, because at the social level Europe is uh, in danger. Mm. In what kind of danger? Yeah, well, I think that we have to elaborate about the, on, on that. Uh, all the, we can say is about the the present the present danger. When, when you speak of Europe or of the European Union, to be more precise, obviously these are two very different things because Europe uh, is. Uh, is a mythology, first of all. It's, it's the mythology, uh, you know, that um, the goddess or the, the mythological uh, f- uh, character of uh, Europe is uh, a young lady who escapes uh, from the aggression of uh, uh, Jupiter, of God, uh, in a sense. And uh, in this escape, uh, she goes towards north. So from the Greek uh, lands, better from the Turkish lands, because originally it was in Lydia, which is the contemporary Turkey, she goes towards northern areas that uh, for the Greek uh, people uh, were called Europe, in a sense, the place of, of, the, of this flight. Well, so Europe is a mythological space, and we, we might, I would say that it's, it's the, the mythological space of uh, humanistic modernity in, in, in uh, our time. The European Union is a political creation that uh, 
comes uh, uh, from uh, the, the anti-fascist, anti-Nazis uh, resistance, the original idea of, of the creation of a union uh, has been elaborated by a group of uh, anti-fascist prisoners in the island of Ventotene uh, in the Mediterranean Sea. And the original idea was uh, an idea linked to democracy and, uh, and um, a social democracy in, in, a strong, uh, in, in a strong sense. This was the original idea of Altiero Spinelli, just to name one of the, the first persons who, who imagined the possibility of creating a, a, the, the Union. After the war, the Union starts in a way that is, since the beginning, um, the problematic because it starts as an economic union. But it's, it's understandable that uh, the creation of a, a new political reality started from an, an, an economic project because they, they, at the beginning they did not want to, uh, to repropose that kind of rhetorics uh, that is the rhetorics of the creation of a, of a, nation, of a nation. Europe is not a nation. It's, uh, it's an idea that has to go beyond the, the nationalist uh, uh, rhetoric. So, uh, well, after 50 years, uh, um, 60 years now, we see that the European uh, project is uh, uh, dangerous, uh, losing uh, energy, and um, and also lo losing any any consistency i mean uh, i the last thing that i read this morning is declaration of romano prodi romano prodi is uh, um, has been 15 years ago has been the president of the european commission and yesterday he said i am not resigned but i am obliged to certify a progressive weakening of the European Union, not only because of the Brexit, but because of the lack of a common policies. The, the same day, yesterday, François Hollande, the president of the French Republic, goes to Calais, uh, to the, the city at the border with the United Kingdom, and, uh, uh, and he says, I engage myself to dismantle completely the jungle, meaning the, the small city that has been created by migrants coming from Northern Africa, uh, Middle East, and so on. And uh, he said, I don't want France to become a country of migrants. But really, frightening sentence because France is a country of migrants and always has been. Third, in the same day, the Swiss, Swiss people have voted in a, uh, voted in a referendum against the 
Italian migration. And the slogan of uh, the referendum of the winners, of the rightist uh, winners of the referendum was Switzerland first. It reminded me something American. Um, Switzerland first, America first, France first, United Kingdom first, 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 first. Everybody is first, the Union is dead. That is the point. My opinion, frankly speaking, is that we are talking about a corpse. We are talking about a dead man walking. Europe does not exist anymore. Well, the European Union does not exist anymore. Europe exists, does exist. So my idea, my, my persuasion is that we should stop trying to revive the corpse. And we should start thinking about Europe, about the new union that has to be rebuilt from scratch. That is the, the, the point. It's absolutely dramatic because we can say, oh, yes, yes, uh, uh, begin from scratch. But beginning from scratch means going through a decade of horrible, crisis of horrible uh, uh, fights and so on. But this is reality. I mean, it's difficult to imagine a way out from the present situation. This is why I say that Europe is in danger. So one thing that you had mentioned was the idea of the European Union beginning first and foremost under this pretense of democracy. So one thing that we talked about when we were conceptualizing the project was um, it was Nicholas Lemon, and he said something along the lines of what makes democracy so special is that it's open to the future possibilities of choice. So with that, what would you say choice, what role does it play in democracy? And do you think that's working in Europe? Um, it's interesting that you quote Nicholas Luhmann speaking about democracy, because in my opinion, Luhmann has been probably the first person who has been able to uh, understand and uh, also to uh, predict the present crisis uh, of democracy. What is the, the crucial point of uh, the philosophy of Nicholas Luhmann? I remember a debate that Luhmann had with Jürgen Habermas in 1972, long time ago. And the debate was about information and democracy. And Jürgen Habermas, a good, enlightened uh, social democrat, uh, generals uh, said, uh, oh, the more information, the more democracy. When information grows, people are well informed, so they decide, well, Niklas Luhmann, um, who was probably less generous, but I think more smart, and <laughs> I'm joking, of course, and I hope that Jürgen Arbebermas will not listen to our interview, um, Luhmann said, well, I'm not uh, that sure that more information means more democracy because more information means uh, more complexity and when complexity goes beyond a certain limit of uh, social um, 
um, understanding, at that point, uh, democracy will be replaced by, Luhmann said, administration. We might say today governance. Governance is the new word that perfectly explains what is happening. What is governance? Governance is a automated system of rules what Mario Draghi, the, 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 the central bankers of Europe, calls the automated, the autopilot. Uh, governance is the autopilot. I mean, you can decide what you want, but if your will, your democratic will, contradicts one of the techno-financial automatisms of the European governance, we don't care about your will. This exactly is what has happened in July 2015 in Greece, when 62% of the Greek population voted for something, and the European Union, the, actually the Troika, I mean the financial, uh, the real power in Europe, democratic uh, the power means nothing because the parliament uh, has no function at all except talking. They can say whatever they want, but they do not decide anything. Who decides? The Troika, which means the International Monetary Fund, the Central Bank of Europe. I mean, financial entities taking decisions that matter. What the majority of the Greek people uh, want does not matter. That is the point. This is why democracy, like, like uh, according to the prediction of Luhmann, the European reality is, uh, let's say, too complicated for your uh, will, for your decision. So. The, the autopilot is taking uh, the real decision. The problem is that we have to rethink democracy from scratch. It is the real, the real issue of the European crisis. The old concept of democracy, in my opinion, old, you know, <laughs> what means democracy beyond the etymology? My opinion, democracy means essentially two things, if I can dare a definition of democracy. One, freedom of the formation of the public will. I mean, the possibility of creating your own persuasion without, uh, uh, without uh, external imposition. And this is over because the strength of the of the media. Look at Italy, the, the Berlusconi's dictatorship in Italy for 20 years. The television of Berlusconi has actually uh, expropriated the, the, the Italian democracy. Second, democracy means effectiveness of uh, of the of the majoritarian will. Because if, if it's not effective, it means nothing. I mean, you can say whatever you want. That is granted, but it, it changes nothing. So this is the, the real effect of the European crisis. We have to rethink democracy 
in times of hypercomplexity and in, in times of techno-linguistic automatisms. This is a, a, a real challenge. And in my opinion, first of all, it's a challenge for philosophers, for activists, for social experimenters, then is a problem for, for politicians. What would you say about citizens? What do you think the role of just a European citizen would be in thinking about this? You know, we are not in a rhetorical uh, dimension now. We, I prefer to think that uh, uh, we can speak freely. I don't trust uh, and I don't expect nothing for the European citizens, like I don't expect nothing from the American citizens. Why? Because the European, the Italian mind has been dominated for 20 years by the Berlusconi media. So I know that the, 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 the citizenship now is essentially passive, unable to develop a, an authentic consciousness and totally uh, absorbed by a, a sort of selfishness, which is the selfishness of people who think that uh, the most important thing is their own economic interest uh, of tomorrow, of today. Um, obviously, I do not pretend to, to, to have the right to, to decide in place of the European citizens. Who am I? I can do nothing. I just can imagine, uh, theore theore theoretically imagine, a possibility for the future. And my opinion is that the future of democracy is in the hands of a small minority, which is the minority of cognitive workers. And I explain you why I am persuaded of this. The machine that is the actual decider nowadays, the, the, the techno-linguistic machine, I mean the, the compound the structure of uh, the, the autopilot, uh, the governance machine, has been built by a, a small amount of uh, cognitive workers in, in, in a certain way that has been decided, controlled um, by a certain kind of interest, which is the financial interest. The only thing that we can do now is organize sabotage and reprogramming from inside. I mean, the only persons who have a possibility of changing things are those people who have programmed the machine. Programming is the, 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 the word. Uh, is it democratic? No, it's not democratic. We live in a situation in which only uh, a minority can open a way 
to a new uh, possibility of democracy. I know that I'm I'm speaking I'm talking of something that uh, is out of the political possibilities of today. I'm talking about I I, I am expecting a, a very dark decade in America like in in in, uh, in Europe like in many other places. I think that during the night we have to work as a minority. A minority, not a minority of deciders. We have nothing to decide. We have not to take decisions for our own interest. We have to change the machine. And changing the machine is something that can do only those people who have the ability to program the machine. I call it the Silicon Valley possibility. I think that there is a, a sort of global Silicon Valley, which means 10 million people worldwide. Those 10 million people have programmed the contemporary uh, machine. We have to sabotage and to reprogram this machine. That is my, my personal, very pessimistic uh, perception of the present reality. What do you expect from this new programming? What if it is worse than the current arrangement? Absolutely. It's a possibility, right? Absolutely. Good question, because the, here comes the difficult part of the, of the problem. So I, I try to answer with two informations. The, this is, the, these are the notes for my talk of tomorrow, so I, I, I've tried to... Um, the real, the, 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 the most uh, uh, frightening uh, uh, prospect at the moment uh, is, uh, is war, of course, uh, is terrorism, of course, but uh, at the bottom of all these, uh, there is the clear perception of an economic slump that is coming. When I say economic slump or recession or like says Larry Summers uh, secular stagnation is uh, provoked by a, 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 an enormous uh, fact that we try not to see that uh, we have been working too much I mean, the crisis uh, is essentially a crisis uh, uh, of overproduction. Oil, we have too much oil in the world, and the proof is that the prices are going down. The prices now are 50% of two years ago. The same is happening uh, in, in the field of the production of steel. You know that Chinese can produce enough steel for the world. But the Italian steel workers and the German steel workers and the American steel workers that Trump is protecting so much. Third, agricultural business. Uh, the fusion of Bayer and Monsanto is determined by the fact that the prices of agricultural products have halved in the last two years, you know. So 
The real problem is that we have produced too much, that we have too, too, too much uh, uh, things in, in, in the stores. And the governments of the world are trying, desperately and crazily, they are trying to uh, and increase productivity to go towards full employment uh, and so on and so on. Well, I think that here is the real point. The real point is that uh, unemployment is on the rise everywhere, also in the United States of America. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's fake that uh, unemployment uh, is, is going down. Yeah, unemployment is going down because people accept less salary, work more. So we work more, we get m less money, of course. Uh, the, 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 the products stay in the stores because the demand cannot, uh, cannot uh, go on. So what should we do? when we start to reprogram the machine, we have to program the possibility of reducing in a drastic way the time of work worldwide. This is a huge project that has not only to do with working less, which is good in itself, but has very much to do with education, health, self-care, social relation, reactivating the urban landscape, reactivating affective life. I mean, depression is the, 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 the number one uh, problem of, of, of our time at the, the level of, uh, of health. And suicide is on the rise everywhere. Why so? because we have forgotten the, the possibility of living in, in a dimension of uh, real freedom, which is freedom from work. I answer your question like this. We have to program something that is easy to say and difficult to do. I mean, the conversion to a more happy planet. It's difficult to persuade people to be happy. That is really a, a totally revolutionary program that will take, I mean, intellectual energy, first of all. And when I say 10 million cognitive workers in the world, I'm not only thinking of uh, softwareists, uh, engineers, I'm thinking of poets, artists. Poets, artists are that part of the general intellect of the planet who can understand the affective possibility of the machine. I know it sounds crazy also to me, but I, I cannot see any other way out. And I mean, it's an happy way out. Do you see artists, writers, poets, people who have this intellectual energy and can direct it uh, doing something to this end, the, the way, the, what you just described in Europe, are, are they doing something to achieve what you just said, specifically talking about Europe? Yeah. Well, first of all, I must uh, um, admit that my, my, oh, this fantasy that I have been uh, saying before, 
is weak on a, on a crucial point, and the crucial point is uh, um, solidarity. I mean, the real point is that uh, uh, the, the 10 million uh, cognitarians, I call them like this, um, uh, are unable to think of themselves of uh, a, 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 a collective body, as a collectivity, as uh, in terms of friendship, friendship, uh, solidarity. This, this is the, the, the point. So you ask me if in Europe uh, something uh, is happening at this level. Yes and not. Actually, um, I, I must say that uh, Europe, more than the United States of America, has a culture of solidarity. So we are starting from a, a ground which is a, a, a common ground of understanding among, um, among also among young people in Europe. If I look at the um, intellectual um, landscape and particularly the artistic landscape um, in, in Europe, I see, for instance, uh, that Documenta is, uh, is, uh, is moving from Karlsruhe, Germany, to Athens, Greece. This is an interesting, you know that, that next year the next edition of Documenta, Documenta 14, Documenta is huge in, 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 in the artistic landscape. You know that every five years in, at the exhibition of Documenta, 300,000 people uh, go to visit the exhibition. So it's, it's the, 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 the biggest uh, art exhibition in the world. Uh, the second is the Venice Biennale with 90,000, you see, from 300 to 90, just to give you the idea of the importance, uh, symbolic importance. Documenta has been created by the Americans uh, after the Second World War in order to democratize German culture after Nazism and the war. So you see the symbolic and political importance of Documenta. This year, the, the organizers of Documenta have decided that the exhibition will not happen in Germany, but in Greece. The symbolic effect of this, of this move uh, is, uh, is, is, uh, well, is, is something. Actually, the right wing in Germany is, is very uh, hungry for, uh, angry for that because they say give documenta back to the, the German contributors um, but documenta will be in Athens. So you see in, in Europe I see the possibility of uh, producing a, a sort of movement of self-organization of the intellectual workers. This is the only possibility that I see in Europe. I know that the majority of the population everywhere except in Spain and maybe, I hope, in, in Greece, 
Italy is already lost, uh, the majority of the population is going toward nationalist uh, uh, right wing. Also Germany now is in, in a very dangerous situation because the, the ADF, the Alternative für Deutschland, which is a right wing movement, is uh, gaining uh, strength. Uh, so, um, yes, I, I, I think that in Europe we have the possibility of starting a process which cannot be only European. And the good thing is that actually the only international, international uh, reality that still exists is the international of artists. The, in, in, in the past 10 years, many times, uh, I was uh, asking myself, why, why, um, why am I writing for a magazine like Iflux Journal, which is read by artists? Um, I don't care about artists, I care about uh, people. Uh, no, it's not true, because uh, Iflux Journal is uh, one of the few, or many, I don't know, voices of a sort of last internationale, and which is the internationale of, the, of artists. But you know, artists and engineers have to become friends. And in the last uh, years, I've been working, for, for personal reasons, I've been working more and more with engineers, uh, software engineers or uh, urban uh, planners and so on. And I, I have noticed the, an interesting thing. They are suffering. They are really suffering. Not for ideological reasons or political. They are depressed. They feel, they have the sentiment of running on empty. And uh, which is true, because if you are an engineer, you understand that you are creating a world that is going to, to, to collapse, that is already collapsing. So this is my point, an alliance between artists and the engineers construct a world with heart and right structure to function? Yeah, in order to rethink the, the infrastructure of daily life. You have written and, uh, is, and actually our project is basically inspired by the idea that Europe is not an existing entity but something that has to be created by the imagination. Can you elaborate more on that? Is that what you just described? Or something else? First, I have to tell you that it's not an idea of mine, uh, but it's a sentence of Julian Benda, a, a French intellectual, uh, who said in the year uh, 1933, a year that, I mean, a frightening year, the year when uh, the Nazism begin, begins, uh, Julian Benda, in, in a speech titled Discours à la Nation Européenne, said, Europe is a non-existing thing. If you try to, uh, to build 
Europe, starting from the ontology, from the reality, you can do nothing because uh, um, you have Germany, you have France, you have Italy, uh, you have strong ontological, historical realities that are called nations. But we don't want to build a nation. We want to build the contrary of a nation. You know that nation comes from the Latin origin, etymology, which has something to do with birth. In, in Latin, natio means the, the origin, the birth. So uh, you are a German because you come from a German uh, progeny and uh, so on. But can you say that uh, uh, we want to create uh, an, an European nation? No, we want to create the possibility of a common understanding among people who have totally different and conflicting uh, uh, um, origins, like Germans and French and French. Originally, Europe is the idea of overcoming two centuries of permanent wars uh, uh, between the Germans and French. So, the, the, this is what Benda wanted to say. We have to create something that is not based on our origin, racial origin, national origin, family origin. So, what can be? The, the common ground of it, the, 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 the imagination. Imagination means a political program, uh, means uh, um, social engineering, means uh, um, aesthetic uh, transformation of, uh, of, the, of the landscape, something that is not based on the past, is based on the future. This is the, the original idea of um, of, uh, uh, of Europe, we might say that uh, this is the same idea that uh, in the workers' movement was called internationale. I think that uh, internationalism has been uh, a, 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 a very important ideological uh, passage in the history of modern culture because it has been the negation of, uh, um, of belonging. We cannot build something good starting from belonging. Belonging, the, 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 the domination of cultural belonging, and when I say cultural in the anthropological sense, I mean uh, racial, national, and so on. The, the dominance of the, the, the idea of belonging is destroying the possibility of cultural creation, of cultural understanding. This is, uh, I mean, the history of Europe, on this point, the history of uh, the United States is, uh, is, is, uh, is totally different because the United States uh, is clearly the, the meeting point of different uh, identities, belonging and history. Europe is a place where the, the the legacy of the past 
is destroying the possibility of imagining of uh, of imagining a future. So we have to start from a forgetting the past, which has which is possible if you think that we are not building something on the ontological reality, we are building something on the imagination of a possible future. So, again, back to Europe. Um, you once said that Europe must overcome Maastricht in order to be reinvented. So, must, uh, Maastricht overcome? Treaty. Maastricht Treaty, probably, you meant. I, I, I don't remember the sentence. Can, can you repeat? I, I did Europe not. must overcome Maastricht. Maastricht. Ah, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is crucial. I mean, no, your question is... Yeah, not. my question is, can you elaborate on this? Absolutely. It's a very important point. You know, when the, the European project has started to go in the wrong direction. Um, until uh, 91, 92, until uh, the, 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 that decade, uh, the European Union was in a, in a, in, in a situation of uh, rich confusion, but also of, of uh, basic uh, solidarity. And uh, at a certain point, uh, when uh, the project of the, of the Union started to become an institutional possibility, the neoliberal uh, agenda became the only political possibility in the future of mankind. And all of a sudden, the, um, the creation of Europe started equaling, started becoming a, 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 a sort of project based on the idea of economic competition. The only possible um, foundation of the Union became economic competition. And that means that um, solidarity and sharing was replaced by the idea that we have to establish some standards and these standards are based on the priority of profit and of competition and only if you respect this criterion you will be accepted by the, um, the European family. After that, the process of construction of the European Union became more and more a financial project because the only way to fulfill the idea of competition was to, 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 to establish a financial measurement of, um, of, of being Europeans or not. And actually, the creation of the, of the common currency in the year 2000, the, the passage to the euro, was the beginning of the implementation of a neoliberal program. The, the effect of the euro in the daily life of Europeans is translated by into 
a, a sort of general reduction of uh, the average salary. Um, I mean, I, as a teacher, I was uh, um, cashing uh, uh, two millions lire, and the day after, I started cashing 1,000 euros. Two million, formally, it is the same. One euros equals 2,000 lire. But in, in the real life, one euro was 1,000 lire. Forgive me the, 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 the detail. This is just to say that the, the beginning of the economic, the financial zone of Europe is based on the reduction of the salary of the workers of Europe. And what is the effect of this? That the bank system becomes the real king in Europe. Uh, then, in 2005, we had two referendums, one in France and one in Holland, which were explicitly against the liberalization, so-called liberalization of the labor market. Liberalization of the labor market means that the French, work, the French workers have to be paid like Polish workers, which means much less. So the French workers said, no, we don't want this, uh, this, uh, this reformation. And what happened at that point? That the, the left, all the left, the new left and the old left said, no, we cannot accept a referendum against this new law because it should be a law, a, a referendum against Europe. The right wing, the fascists in France, took a position of defense of the workers. So, in that point, when the National Front won the referendum in 2005, and the socialists, the communists, the democrats, all the leftist parties lost that referendum against the workers, in that moment Europe went the wrong way. This is the effect of Maastricht. The Treaty of Maastricht is the formalization, the constitutionalization of a neoliberal program that takes the place of a democratic constitution for Europe. This is why I say that if we want to rebuild the European project, we have to cancel the effects of Maastricht. I know very well that this is not only a program for Europe. It's not only concerning Europe, because the problem is that the world has been destroyed by the Thatcher-Reagan eh, 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 agenda. We, 40 years after, we are witnessing the effects of that philosophy, the philosophy of Margaret Thatcher, who said there is no such thing as society. There are individuals competing for the common good. But the common good is the profit of few against the misery of many. That is the point. Maastricht is the implementation of the Margaret Thatcher agenda in Europe. Then, 
the British decided to leave. You know, they have brought the, the malady, they have uh, produced the disgrace, then they go away. Forget about, uh, I like Britain, 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 how do you call that? United Kingdom and Corbyn. <laughs> okay. You've been listening to the EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University, funded by a Getting to Know Europe grant from the European Commission delegation in Washington, D.C. 